Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Lily looked down at herself. Instead of a blue dress, she's wearing her disgraceful nightgown, yellow with age and worn with almost transparent. She tries to smooth her hair back from her face, but it's like she's pushing cobweb strands away. What she needs is a hot bath and a change of clothes. A pair of shoes would also be nice. But perhaps she doesn't. it doesn't matter. Jules and Maisie see her as she once was, not as she is now. Sitting quietly in the tree, she watches Papa Jerry's bugs, Papa's Jerry bugs, parade across the water surface, tracing their every changing patterns of circles. Over and over again, above her head, the leaves murmur like children telling secrets. A bumblebee burrows into a flower. It's so easy to hide, she thinks, and it's so hard to be found. We're very happy you came, Jewel said. We were worried that you'd be scared and leave your room to be too scared to leave your room. I was afraid, Lily admits. I've been there for, for ever so long. I went downstairs and I saw what's becoming of our house. <sighs> it's in ruins. Everything we had is gone. The lawn is mud. Mama's garden is overgrown with weeds. The barn and the sheds and the chickens and the cows. What have they done with it all? Oh, your house was empty for a long, long time, Maisie said. This big company hired my father to restore Oak Hill, Jewel said. When he's done, it will look almost like it did when you lived there. Lily ponders what they had, had what they had told her. Please don't think I'm foolish, but when you say a long, long time, I don't know what you mean exactly. When I lived in Oak Hill, my real life with my mama and papa and Aunt Nellie, it was 1889. What year is it now? The girls look at each other as if they were afraid she wouldn't like the answer to her question. When Jules tell her, Jules tells her, Lily feels as if she's been swallowed up by time. No one from her world is alive now. No one. Not even Mrs. Brown's new baby that was baptized the last Sunday before they cha- before everything changed. When she can speak again, Lily says, Reverend Donison told me that the world would end the year that two, the year two thousand. Judgment Day would come, and the dead would rise from their grave, and we'd be sent to heaven or hell. In 1999, a lot of people thought the same thing, Maisie said. They stocked up on food and water and prepared for the end of the world. But on the first day of 2000, everything was just the same. She shrugged, and here we are. Yes, Lily thinks, here we are. But unlike Maisie and Jules, she doesn't belong in the 21st century. She belongs in 1889. I was born on the 9th of February in 1880, Lily said. I'm so old now, impossibly old. Jules and Maisie nod. No one is meant to live this long, Lily thinks. She should be dead, really and completely dead. She belongs in her grave, not sitting in a willow tree, wearing a tattered nightgown and talking to living, breathing girls. She looks at them. I'm not supposed to be here, am I? The girls look at each other, their faces solemn. Lily senses that they have something else to tell her. She sits quietly and waits for them to speak.